You're listening to the Voice of Wealth podcast. I'm Charlotte de Capoisson. On this show, Ed Sheng, CIO of BNP Paribas Wealth Management, joins me to discuss the burgeoning energy crisis and the market. Hello, Ed. Hello there, Charlotte. To what extent have global energy prices risen of late? Can you give us some figures? They've been quite extraordinary. To give you some idea, since November 2020, Dutch gas prices, which is a benchmark in Europe, have risen 700%. German baseload electricity prices have risen 600%. To put that in context, even Bitcoin has only risen 300% over the same period, and even the NASDAQ 100 index has risen a mere 33% in contrast over the same period. So it has been quite an extraordinary ascent, particularly over the last two to three months. Anyone would understand a rise in energy prices in midwinter when we are using more heating and lighting. But why this sudden spike when we have just come out of the summer? There are several reasons for that, Charlotte. Firstly, of course, is simply the extreme speed of the recovery following lockdowns. Remember, following um, during the lockdowns, we had a real shutdown of many parts of the global economy. What we've seen with the reopening since is a very sharp recovery in many sectors of the economy, notably transportation, manufacturing, retail, and all of this, of course, has driven a boom in energy consumption, because energy consumption ultimately is linked to overall economic growth. So that is one factor. The second factor is weather related, which is that the wind hasn't been blowing. So wind power has not contributed as much as normal. Thirdly, we have, I think, as well as this, a number of bottlenecks in supply. For instance, liquefied natural gas has not been shipped to Europe as much as normal from Qatar, partly because of the the logistics issues, but also partly because of demand from China. And there are, for instance, in China, there have been squeezes on coal production because of the introduction of new regulations which give penalties. So you can send company executives to jail if they overproduce coal versus the quotas that they're supposed to produce. So basically, you've seen a real slowdown in coal production in China as a result. And China has been buying up coal and gas from everywhere else as a result, contributing to the squeeze. So there are a number of factors which have sort of come together to create this perfect storm for energy prices today. And who are the main players in energy sources apart from oil? And and secondly, why are some countries struggling to receive supplies more than others? In terms of the major players, well, if we think about natural gas, the US has shale gas, so they supply themselves. In Europe, the major suppliers are actually Russia, uh, particularly to Germany. Uh, Germany getting 60% of their gas from Russia uh, through massive pipelines. And there's going to be the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which will be initiated, which will, make, which will make that even more the case. In terms of liquefied natural gas that is shipped, that comes from Qatar. They are the biggest players there. And um, if you think about nuclear, then you are thinking about France, where EDF is one of the biggest players and has a very big nuclear park, which has been installed really since the 1970s. So it depends which commodity you're talking about, but uh, there are quite important geopolitical players uh, spread around the world for each energy commodity. What was the second question? Why are some countries struggling to receive supplies more than others? So as a result of this, China has been buying up all liquefied natural gas that it can from Qatar, 
which clearly means in consequence that Europe cannot get as much as they would like. So when you get this shortfall of energy production from renewable energy as we have in Europe at the moment, it's not easy to make up the difference simply by importing more LNG from Qatar because there just isn't any more because the Chinese have already bought it. So this contributes to the squeeze, particularly in Europe. In the US, this is less of an issue because, as I said, they have their own onshore shale gas, which means they have domestic supplies that can make up this shortfall. Here in Europe, we simply don't have anything like that available. You might have expected Russia to send us more gas, but in fact, they have decided not to. And that contributes even more to this energy squeeze that we see today. Dr. Barrell, the International Energy Agency's executive director, said today's situation is a reminder to governments, especially as we seek to accelerate clean energy transitions, of the importance of secure and affordable energy supplies, particularly for the most vulnerable people in our societies. Ed, do you agree with this statement? And actually, what are governments doing? Absolutely, I agree with this statement, and it becomes an important, uh, a crucial issue, particularly in emerging markets and developing countries, because there, if you look at their consumption basket, their consumption basket is much more heavily weighted towards both food and energy, typically 50% plus, than in, here in the developed world, where energy and food represent a far lower proportion of our consumption basket. So clearly, if energy prices go up significantly, that causes huge difficulties in terms of potential poverty for people in the developing countries. So absolutely right. What can we do about it? Well, to be honest, Charlotte, I think if we look at Europe as an example, part of this energy issue, this volatility in energy prices is simply due to the breakneck speed at which we are trying to move or transition our economy away from fossil fuels and towards renewable energy, effectively electrifying our economy. Because we're trying to do this so quickly, because we have to, we need to decarbonize our economy as quickly as possible, given the rising temperatures that we see around the world, there is huge pressure. But because we're doing this so quickly, there are inevitable consequences. And this energy volatility is one of those consequences. And what we really need in the medium term to address this is maybe a focus on more baseload electricity from other sources such as nuclear. And on top of that, what we really need is much greater potential to store that energy, for instance, via industrial battery storage, so that when we do generate renewable energy from solar or wind, and maybe we generate more than we can use, we can then store that electricity to then be released when the wind doesn't blow and when the sun doesn't shine. At the moment, we certainly lack this storage infrastructure, and this is something we need to build up very quickly. Okay, so we've seen that energy prices are rising on the one hand and that governments are seeking to move towards cleaner energy on the other. But from an investment point of view, is it a good or bad time to invest in these stocks? This depends very much, Charlotte, on how long you think this surge in energy is going to last. Because yes, it's spiking today, but if it's going to crash back down to earth in the next couple of months, like for instance, iron ore or lumber prices have done, they shot up several hundred percent, but then have come crashing back down to earth a, a few months later. For companies to really benefit from these higher prices, these higher prices have to stay in place for a number of months, let's say at least three to six months before they really start to profit. My feeling is that because some of this issue is due to the electrification of our economies and moving at breakneck speed towards renewable energy and away from fossil fuels, I think these higher energy prices 
will persist, maybe not at this at today's level, but they will remain higher than they have been in the past. I think we've been addicted to very cheap energy, and the reality is that energy has to become more expensive, and this will incentivize us even more to move faster towards renewable energy sources. How then can you invest in that? Well, you've said, do you invest in energy equities? I would say absolutely, yes. I think oil and gas companies are very interesting. Companies that also generate nuclear power, like EDF, are also very interesting because their cost of production doesn't move, but the the price that they can achieve for electricity goes up. So that may means they can make more money. And of course, anything related to battery storage. And there are funds that are specializing in developing industrial battery storage. So developing the storage infrastructure, I think is an excellent way to play this story on an ongoing basis. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To be sure to receive our audio content every week, Please search for BNP Paribas Wealth on the podcast platform of your choice, such as Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict, Spotify, or other podcast providers.